Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Diathrive, which I'm really excited to tell you about. And as anyone living with or taking care of someone with diabetes knows, the financial costs of treatment can be extremely high. Diathrive takes some of the guesswork out of that with hospital quality testing supplies and testers starting at just $8 per month. No prescriptions, no insurance, just FDA approved test strips delivered straight to your door. Pay as you go. And if you want to change your subscription, you can. Strips are delivered in just two to three business days from your first order. Replacements are available anytime, and Diathrive has real people working customer service to solve your problems on web, phone, or social media. So if uh, your tester breaks or you need more strips, you can reach out to them, and a real person will help solve your problem. Best of all, listeners of this podcast can get their first month free. Just use code DDT, that's D-D-T at checkout, and whatever subscription you choose, you'll get the first month free. So head to diathrive.com today and check it out. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. And across the world is the key word today because uh, joining me from Melbourne, Australia is Luke Armstrong. Welcome to the show, sir. How are we, Rob? Hey, we are doing just fine. Uh, it's about 7 o'clock here uh, on Tuesday evening, uh, and I know it's about midday over in uh, over in Australia. Yes, certainly is. Well, uh, Luke, why don't we, uh, let's, let's waste no time in getting into uh, the story. I, I really want to dive into and start with kind of how you joined the T1D family, but introduce yourself to the audience and uh, let us know uh, a little bit about you. Beautiful. Um, so, Luke, my name is Luke Armstrong. Um, I was born in Shepparton, which is about two and a half hours north uh, of Melbourne, so a small, small country town. Um, I was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 14 months old. Um, so I'm currently 24, so I've living, been living with it for just over 23 years now. Um, so pretty much known no different. Um, with my diagnosis, I think it was more more scary for my parents than what it was for me. Um, I was I was going into consciousness, um, turning blue. Um, the ambulance paramedics actually had to revive me. Um, wow, I, I, I imagine that was uh, extremely traumatic for your parents, right? Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, mate, it, it, it didn't affect me one bit because I didn't have a clue what was going <laughs> on. Um, so yeah, it was obviously, obviously quite traumatic um, for my parents um, getting diagnosed at such a young age. Um, but personally, for me, it's probably been a benefit because whilst whilst growing up, I've sort of you know had no choice. Um, you know, dealt 
learned and dealt with it from an early early age. Um, obviously, learned about the key the elements of nutrition, exercise, um, lifestyle, all that sort of stuff, and how how to best manage my diabetes whilst growing up. Um, and and I, also, I, I do want to touch on that for a second because I was I was having a conversation with uh, somebody on Instagram the other day. And we, we touched on the fact that when you have type 1 diabetes, you overcome obstacles easier than kind of normal people. You just expect yeah. that there's going to be something that kind of throws a wrench in your engine. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that's been the case with you? Definitely, definitely, Rob. Um, the way I see it is I'm, I'm a normal person. I can work. I can go out with mates. I can play sport. Diabetes isn't stopping me from doing that. Um, obviously then there's, there's people a lot worse off. So that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, cancer, chemotherapy. Um, my father actually is a paraplegic. Um, he had a motorcycle accident when I was about seven. Um, so just, just seeing what he actually had to go through, through rehab, um, it just puts things into, into perspective. Um, not just, just coming to the realization that there's people a lot worse off than, than what we are. Um, so that's sort of how I, I learned to manage, um, my diabetes as well. And um, are, are you the only type one in your family? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, I, I am too. I'm the only one. So I, I, I relate. Um, you know, you mentioned perspective, um, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, so much of our life is perspective. And you mentioned, you know, your dad and, and, his, and his accident. What kind, of, what kind of perspective do you have, you know, especially when you get involved online with the, the diabetes online community? When you think about people who are maybe diagnosed later in life and you talk to them, yeah. what, what yeah. kind of perspective do you offer really not knowing any different? Well, that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people say to me, "Oh, you poor thing, you know, getting diagnosed from such a young age. It must have been so hard." Um, to an extent, yeah, but I dealt with it. Um, you know, kids in their you know mid teens, adolescence, early adulthood, who don't have, they have no idea about um, what type of, type one diabetes is. Being diagnosed at a later age, I find I feel, I'm more sympathetic for them um, just because they have to learn to deal with the changes that are happening. Um, you know, they've got, they've got jobs, they've, they're at high school, you know, that relationships, body image, um, they're, they're big, big sort of problems that um, people getting diagnosed later in life have to deal with. Um, so I just thought, feels I'm sort of lucky that I've had to deal with it from an early age. That's really interesting. I I feel like I've heard that, but I don't know if anyone's ever put it that way. Uh, because like you said, you, you didn't know any different. There was no big change that you had to over, to go through, yeah. nothing to really overcome, except for, you know, every day obviously has been, has been yeah. more difficult. Is that... You know, is that, you know, for you, and, and I know you're very involved in sport and athletics and... Um, you know, you're, yep. and that's your career as well as that you're working towards on the diabetes education side and nutrition. Does that, does that mindset, you know, and your sort of natural competitive overcoming obstacles, kind of attacking the day mindset, how does that serve you in your day to day? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think it was also learned through seeing what my dad had to deal with. Um, he was a country boy, grew up on a farm, raced raced motorbikes. Um, you know, he was an active individual. He was very particular in the way he done things, and seeing seeing him go through what he had to deal with, and and, and overcome it as well. Um, so from from the accident, he was in intensive care for three months. He got revived um, on the ambulance journey to the hospital. Then obviously he had to get flown um, from the country to, to Melbourne. Um, and just to see all the challenges that he has to overcome, you know, he has constant pressure injuries, urine tract infections, um, and those those things affect his daily living. Whereas diabetes. You know, I'm still able to do everything that I sort of set my mind to. Um, the only probably growing up, there was a, there was probably a little bit of resent. Um, you know, probably mid to late teens, where you know, going to parties, alcohol was coming onto the scene. Um, my parents, mum in particular, was a, was a lot more protective of protective of me than probably what other my mate's parents were towards alcohol. Um, so I, so that was probably the only sort of resent I had, but realistically it's, it's something I shouldn't, you know, hold resent for. But, um, yeah, I learned, learned to overcome things and realize that, you know, it was best for my health. So, um, well, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that too, because I think that's an important part, especially for young diabetic men. Uh, I feel yep. like uh, I can't speak for the, the ladies that I don't have that sort of introspective on um, what it's like to talk to your parents about drinking when you're when you're a woman. I think there's a lot of different things that go into that as well. But yep. when you're a young man, and you want to go out and drink with your boys and you don't want to be told what to do. And you kind of have, you know, this Mr. Know-it-all type attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember a lot of, uh, especially when I was in college, a lot of arguments on the phone with my parents uh, about, you know, going out and drinking and staying out late because they were afraid for my blood sugars. Uh, mm. What were those like for you, especially with your mom? Um, she was she was very uh, limited with with the amount of drinks that I that I was having. You know, teenage party sort of thing. Dad was a bit more laid back towards it all. You know, because. I saw, I think I sort of had his trust, um, and he thought his his idea of it was the only way he's going to learn is by making a mistake and um, you know learning from learning from experience. But I think I was more conservative than say what my friends were towards alcohol, and you know, something that I probably hold to this day still. Yeah, and I think you know that that's not a certainly not a thing to be embarrassed of, right? And I think a lot of people, something I've been dealing with a lot lately, from and hearing from a lot of people is that diabetes is a disease. It, you can keep a secret if you really want to. It's not oh, that yes. hard, right? Yeah. Um, so you know when you're in those pressure situations where there's a lot of drinks going around and you don't want to talk about it or you don't want to uh, let people on that you're different. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things that immediately in those situations, people try to stay out of the conversation. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, you could be with your good friends and they already know or and not yeah. be around there. But let's talk about that for a minute. Like, how important is it to be yeah. sort of open? Have you always been open is, or is that something that yeah. has come along later? Yeah. Um, so I think from, from an early age, I was pretty open about letting people know about type 1 diabetes and the possible adverse effects that that disease could have. Um, because, you know, if you're having a hypo, you know, someone could be like, oh, shit, what's, what's wrong with Luke? Right. You know, that's, that's unlike him. Um, but really, I'm having a hypo and, and that they won't know how to treat it. They won't know what's going on. Um, so I, I think from, from being, being open about it, it's actually beneficial to your health in case something wrong does go, uh, something wrong does happen. Um, but it's funny you actually say about hiding, hiding the disease. Um, last week I was actually volunteering for a, um, diabetes Victoria. So Victoria is the state, um, that I live in. Um, I was actually a volunteer on the teenage camps for tight ones. And there was this one boy I was talking to who had been diagnosed for six months. Um, he was 14 and he, he, he was actually that scared to let people know that he'd actually have to go to the bathroom to, to have his injections just right. because he didn't want people to know about it. Um, and yeah, I find, I found that really, really hard to listen to just because, um, being aware of the possible side effects that, that could happen. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it is obviously a, an issue with a lot of teenagers, um, I think, especially with women as well, with with their dress, their appearance, um, and people being so judgmental. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think it is a big issue for the adolescents. It, I mean, man, it's tough. I mean, I think it's uh, it's tough to be a teenager anyway. You know, without something yeah. like uh, a diabetes or another chronic illness. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, you're just going through, your life's changing. You got to make big decisions. You know, you're trying to, you're starting to mature a little bit. You got a lot of hormones and just things are happening. Like you said, the the ladies, I think, have a lot harder than the, and the guys do yeah. in that department as well, just with body image and the things that people say and the standards that which, you know, society is held. So... What would you tell somebody who, you know, let's go back to that kid, a friend from your camp who was so embarrassed he had to go to, you know, the restroom. Is that something where you say, hey, you know, is it, it's okay. Look, I'm out here giving my injections or what do you say to that person? Um, just, you know, it, we've got no control. Like, it's not like we had this choice to get type one. Um, the more open you are with people, the more, the, the more they're actually going to care for you, that they're going to keep an eye out for you. Um, and obviously, if that, that situation goes down where you, you are hyper, hypoing, um, they're going to know how to treat it. Um, so I think it's just, it, it's hard to me, it's hard for me to answer that just because I never had that problem. Right. Um, but I understand, yeah, it, it is tough for some kids. Isn't that, isn't that interesting though that like, and I think that's to me one of the most fascinating things about type one is how different everyone's experience is. 
um, mm. because there's just so many inputs. Um, if you were looking at an experiment, like a science experiment, right? There's so many inputs. You know, food, exercise, insulin sensitivity. You know, diet, uh, sleep, stress. Uh, you know, genetic <laughs> makeup. And then, yeah. you know, throw in the mental side of it as well. That's just the physical, right? So, yeah. you know, confidence and um, and self-esteem and just, you know, anxiety and depression and, and all those different factors. Not one experience is this is same the same, right? You can't, there's no one size fits all approach. And I think that's really frustrating for people sometimes. Um, and then I think the people that I've found and met through this podcast and on Instagram who are the most successful with it, are able to kind of roll with the punches just like whatever yeah. comes at me i'm going to you know respond in a way that i'm just going to keep pushing forward yeah. but like back back to this kid i was talking to you know if he if he is having trust issues or, or appearance issues maybe maybe just let the people know that he's close to um you know at least telling someone is better than no one um that way yeah, so build, building trust, talk, talking to someone you you, you generally trust um, is probably what I'd I'd probably say. Do you, do you have a person like that in your life? Um, I'd say my parents. I'm quite quite close. Um, since since I've moved out of home, I'm quite close with my parents now. Um, growing up as a kid, we used to oh, there was a lot of conflict just because. Sure. <laughs> um, they, were, they were so particular with with everything. Um, when when I actually left school, I did a building apprenticeship, and um, so I did my did my um, four year apprenticeship. Um, then once once I finished that, my parents were actually moving house. Um, they bought a block of land, and my I was actually fortunate enough to build it for them. So I was I was quite um, in regular contact with my parents. Um, through in that through that stage, and um, Dad, being as particular as he was, <laughs> had a had a lot to say, and in in the way he wanted things done, want, making sure it was done his way. Um, so we had we had a lot of conflict through that through that stage. But to be honest, ever since I've moved out, I think I've gotten even closer with my parents. It's it's more genuine when I see them. Um, and I think that's something that comes a little bit with age, but yeah, maturity as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, responsibility there, the, a little bit of trust. Um, and you know, they're, they have trusted you obviously your whole life with your, with your diabetes and there. And, and now, you know, you do a, a project for them and you work really closely and the, your relationship changes for the better, I think. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm really close with my parents as well. And I think that's a big part of why I've been able to live as well as I have with type one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's just a good, it's good to have a solid foundation, you know? Definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, so let's, obviously you're not building houses now, right? You're not, uh, <laughs> you're not uh, full time and you, you, you previewed it a little bit, um, about your career path and your career choice and how you're going, uh, and studying and working to be in the diabetes education on the medical side of things. Yep. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um. So, so once I once I finished my parents' house, um, I sort of started to question, you know, is this what I want to do for a full time job? Um, 
don't get me wrong, I still enjoy building. I'm actually currently building Get Up as we speak. <laughs> um, but I just thought, of, had, had a really good hard think about it and I, a lot of people I worked with, you know, early 30s, late 30s, early 40s, their bodies were knackered, um, their backs, their knees were gone. And I just thought, do I really want to be like that in 10, 15 years' time? Um, so I sort of just had a bit of a think about it and I thought, wow, you know, I've had type 1 diabetes for 20 years. Why can't I have a career out of it? <laughs> right. It's like you put your you put your time in. I do want to back up one second because you said you said I think it was the word knackered, knackered. Is that what you? Is that <laughs> yes. that means like messed up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, a bit of bit of Aussie slang there. <laughs> oh, I, I like it. I just uh, just want to make sure that I was tracking with you. No, it was very. Yeah. It was great. Okay, a little Aussie slang for everybody. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just had a really good good hard think about it and. Um, in Shepparton, where I grew up, I actually didn't have access to an endocrinologist. Um, so I, I dealt with a diabetes educator who managed my diabetes. And I pretty much had a chat to him, to be honest. And he sort of got me in that sort of idea path. Um, so anyway, so once I decided that was the go, I had a look into the different the different um, pathways to get into that position. Um, then there was nursing, podiatry, pharmacy, um, dietetics, and yeah. So I think it was four. There was four or five different health professional careers that you could take to get into. Um, diabetes education um, and the reason I chose nursing was purely due to it was a three-year degree <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not um, yeah so compared to the other degrees they were four and five years um, and to be totally honest I'm, I'm, I'm coming into the final year of my degree nursing degree and to be totally honest, I think having that nursing background is the best way um, to pick up to pick up um, on treatment strategies, dealing with patients. Just because obviously a large percentage um, here in Australia of the patients are dealing with type two diabetes. Um, so I, I, to be honest, haven't had a massive background on type 2 just because I've been mainly interested in type 1 but getting that sort of all-round approach to diabetes in general um, through my nursing degree has really helped well and I think you know when you talk about diabetes education or endocrinology to me it was always interesting to me that my, my first endocrinologist, who I haven't seen in a while, but I'm actually going to be speaking at an event with here in Dallas on Sunday, um, which I'm pretty excited about because it's like, hey, I haven't seen you in over 10 years. Uh, but, you know, this he was great. He was a huge part of, you know, my successful start with diabetes. But uh, yep. he's not a type 1. So, you know, he, he has gone into the study of the field of endocrinology by choice, but he doesn't have the lifestyle piece. And since I have become more involved in the T1D community, talking with CDEs, so Certified Diabetes Educator, yep. Yep. Um, Endos, 
nurse practitioners who all have T1D. I mean, there's really no better patient or no better doctor than someone who was a patient their whole life, right? Like all the experiences that you've had in your 20 plus years will in, you know, now that you have the science in the nursing background will inform the decisions that you make kind of going forward. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by my friends at Diathrive. They're making test strips convenient, accurate, transparent, and affordable with prescription-free, insurance-free subscriptions. Use code DDT at checkout to get your first month free at diathrive.com. Yeah. Um, and on this on this diabetes camp I went on last week, I actually, it was, it was great for me to network with um, fellow endocrinologists, type 1 diabetics in general, um, and other type 1 um, health professionals. Um, so it, it was sort of a, a stepping stone um, into the field, which was which was really good. And you know, what do you think? You know, when you when you think about the most important moments in growing up, or you know, accepting your type one, what do you, what do you think those most important moments are for 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 someone? Like if you were telling a kid, if you were looking at yourself, you know, fifteen years ago. What would you say is, you know, most important for you, you know, in, in your development? Um, I think the earlier you come to the concept, come, come to deal with it, I think the more, more um, success you'll have with your management um, and also saying to yourself that diabetes isn't going to stop me from doing anything. You know, I'm still I'm still going to be able to do things that my friends are, um, have, enjoy those experiences. Um, I think that's probably what I'd say. Um, but in saying that, come to terms with with the condition as soon as you can, learning to accept to accept it, uh, and learning to deal with it just from that sort of onset. Um, but 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 understand that it is going to be tough. You know, you're sort of going to have to grit the teeth um, for a bit there. And um, the earlier you do do that, you know, the easier you'll be in the long run. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, any any um, piece of advice that you wish you had been given uh, early on that that, uh, that that maybe you didn't get or you had to learn the hard way? Um, probably, probably be, probably with alcohol. Um, you know, some, some kids' parents might be overprotective and I think the more overprotective your parents are, the more you just want to, going to want to shove it back right in their face. Um, so, so start small, work your way up, even, you know. Learn how your body deals with alcohol. Um, understand, you know, that you're going to need to have some um, low GI carbs on board. You know, you're gonna, probably going to have to wake up during the night to check. Um, yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic, how does your body respond uh, when you're going to go out and drink some beers or drink some cocktails? Um. Because I know Australians can drink just they have to drink barrels of beer to get drunk and tie yeah. their barrels, right? That's the that's the yeah. Deal, right? So um, to be honest, the last probably two two or three years, I've been pretty 
just just because I've been so my ha- I've had my hands tied up with um, work commitments, um, uni commitments, playing sport. It's actually it's actually been hard to get a good session in. Um, <laughs> but but to be honest, I I learnt from my mistakes. I um I I so when I was living home in Shep, um, my mates and I we used to come down to Melbourne. You know, every couple of months to just have a bit of a boys' weekend. Um, anyway, so we were at the pub having a few beers from from quite a quite an early um, time. Um, not much was getting eaten at all, but a lot was getting drunk. Um, that led to the shots. Then um, we're actually walking our way towards a nightclub, and a mate and I were just having a bit of a bit of a biff. Um, you know, throwing a couple of punches, having, just having a wrestle. It wasn't wasn't serious or anything. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we were just doing that. Then all of a sudden, I've I've hit the ground and wasn't moving at all. Um, and then, luckily enough, these two girls walked past and they said to my mate, "You know what's you know is your mate okay? You know he's not moving at all." My mate. He probably didn't really comprehend what these girls were saying because he was quite drunk himself. <laughs> was like, no, 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 he's fine, he's faking it, he's faking it, he'll be all right. Anyway, so all of a sudden I, I've snapped back out of it and um, I saw these girls and I was like, oh, I'm on here. Um, <laughs> so, I, so even though I can't remember it, this is what I've been told. Um, so I started to schmooze these girls and. Um, I don't think it was really working that well. Then my mates start. We started wrestling again. Then all of a sudden, I've hit the deck, and um, then my mate came over. Then I've started throwing punches, and I think by this stage it was starting to get a little bit serious. Um, then the girls said to my mate, "You know, are you sure your you, your friend's okay? You know, he's not moving." And luckily enough, my mate remembered I had diabetes. So he's like, oh, he does have type 1 diabetes. Um, then all of a sudden, the girls are like, crap. So luckily enough, they've called the, called the ambulance for me. Um, but as this was happening, there was two police policemen walking past and they saw me throwing a few punches at my mate. Um, so they're actually, they're making their way over about to arrest me. Um, oh, no. Yeah, so whilst whilst that was happening, they're, they're stepping on my ankles, and apparently I was having a swing at them. Because um, when I when I'm not drinking or you know I'm, I'm as placid as anything, like you know, wouldn't harm a fly. But I think some of my symptoms of um, hypos is I I do tend to get aggressive. Um, but yeah, luckily enough, these girls called the paramedic and. Um, yeah, I end up spending the night in the emergency department instead of behind bars. <laughs> so that's that's probably the that was the reality wake up call I had. Um, well, yeah. and, and I mean, I think everybody responds different, right? And uh, you know, when I'm when I'm having a hypo, I'm pretty, uh, I'm I'm just annoyed. I, I don't know. You you know, you said you kind of you kind of get feisty. I get real uh, just sassy, just like real smart aleck. Um, yeah, and yeah, especially I think, if, uh, I, especially if people try to tell me what to do. Yeah, 
Um, and so, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, like you said, luckily, you know, one of your buddies remembered that, uh, that you have type yeah. one and it could be an issue. Um, and you know, like you said, everybody responds in different ways, but the awareness, the key there is that one of your friends knew. Yeah. Um, so even if you're not yourself and, you know, every now and then we all will all have moments that, you know, we're maybe not all the way in control that somebody yep. knew. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's the main thing. So um, I was, as a kid, I was never, my parents always bought me the, the medical alert. Um, right. But I thought they were not cool. And oh, man, never- they're super not cool. Thank you for saying <laughs> that. They're super not cool. So, I uh, I think I wore one for maybe three days, like right, yeah, up, right at the yeah. early days. Um, so I, after this incident happened, I actually got a tattoo on my wrist just so um, it doesn't come off. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I was gonna ask because I've seen a lot of people with type one tattoos. I don't, I don't have one. What is so? What is yours it's on your wrist? What does it say? Um, hang on, I'll try and can you oh yeah, see that? It, there it is. Yep. Yeah. So that that's the medical, medi many alert symbol, um, and the the writing just says type one diabetic. So pretty simple. Yeah, um, I like it. E- easy to, uh, you know, if they're if the paramedics or if you're unconscious, yeah. easy, to, easy to recognize, right? Yeah. Well, no, I, and I and I didn't mean to put you on the spot about sharing <laughs> a uh, one of your one of your drunk tales with your with your buddies, but I think it's important to talk about, you know, that yeah. a a not every every uh, jaunt like that ends in tragedy, right? Uh, that sometimes they just go and they're totally uneventful. But also like the importance of you know your friends knowing and and you know being able to be open enough about it that if something does happen that it's going to be yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and I think after that incident, you know, obviously I got a bit of a wake up call, and I think it put more the onus back on me to be like, right, you know, something could have gone that could that could have ended really badly. Um, yeah, what, what did being what able did, to sorry being uh, able continue, mate. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry about that. I was gonna say when you kind of came around the next day, you know what uh, what what was your response? Did you obviously like probably you know didn't feel great about it, but did you did you say you know hey what I wonder what happened to my blood sugar? What was the reaction? Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, actually. Uh, I think the most thing I was annoyed about was I actually paid for the accommodation that night. Huh. <laughs> I didn't, didn't even get to spend the spend the night in it. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, you had to spend the night in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, um, I think just being being a bit more aware of like right, you know, I probably didn't do a lot of things right. Um, then being in that situation the next time. What can I what can I learn from this experience? Um, so whenever I go out for a drink now, you know, obviously I've always got um, some sort of lolly or or high GI food on me. Black the blood tester in the back pocket. Um, then yeah, so I think yeah, learn, learn, learning from your mistakes is probably the best way to learn. Yeah, and you know, fortunately for for many of our you know type one diabetes you know, quote unquote mistakes, we're able to adjust on the fly. Like, you know, yesterday yeah. I'm, I'm doing this over the counter type one challenge. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I'm li- in the U S we can buy some insulin just over the counter without a prescription. 
Um, oh. <laughs> the R, the R, and the NPH. It's called. It's from uh, just like over at Walmart, and uh, I'm doing that to show that you know if you do lose your job or lose your insurance, that you can treat your Type One for for a relatively low cost. And uh, and yesterday, my blood sugar was all over the place. Like, yeah, I, put, I saw that, dude. Yeah, I saw oh, that. You was, went... <laughs> I feel great. I'm back. I'm back today. I feel fine today. But yesterday was yeah. tough. Um, and so, you know, it, those... go ahead. What do you say? It's it's funny how actually how lousy you feel when you when your blood sugars are so high. It's oh, it ridiculous. Like you, it, it feels like you've run a marathon. Yeah, you feel beat up, like you've been put through the washing yeah. machine, just just awful. And uh, you know, I, I was just sitting back, and and I've got this great new pump that I haven't used yet. It's sitting under my desk at home, and I've got like two weeks left. And I was yeah. like, man, like I cannot wait. First of all, I can't wait to put this on. And like you know, I'm very tempted to just stop and stop this challenge and do because I want you know my blood sugar to be right. But but also, you know, how much we can learn from just one little mistake, like you said, one little adjustment yeah. and how to go to the next day and say, okay, well, I'm going to approach this a little bit differently today. Yeah. Um, I want, I want to ask you this because, you know, I'm really interested to hear your answer because you, I really like your perspective and, uh, you know, having lived most of your life with, with diabetes and just the, the way that you think about it. Uh, I asked this question on all my podcasts. So um, imagine you're in an airport and they're about to close the door to your gate, uh, and whatever the reason is, you can't miss the flight. There's something important waiting for you on the other end. But you run into somebody who's got type one, uh, recently been diagnosed, or they're struggling with their their diabetes. What is uh, what's the one thing you say to them in that thirty seconds? Um, everything's gonna be okay. Um. You know, if they're if they're a bit depressed or a bit anxious about it all, just try and reassure reassure them that they're going to be able to live a normal life um, with with good with good support, um, good nutrition, exercise. It's 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 it shouldn't be a burden to have type one diabetes. Obviously. We've got to be a bit more mature and proactive um, with the way we look after ourselves. But just, just probably that reassurance that you know you're not alone. Um, you're going to probably freshly diagnosed at that age. You're going you're to go through some tough times, but um, yeah, yeah, no, just I, I, uphill climb. No, I think that's a great answer, and you know, for me. Getting involved in the community has been one of the most important things, and I continue to say that I'm like a broken record by now. But you know, <laughs> I can literally point on the you know the diabetes continuous glucose monitor of my life, and I can point to the moment where I got more involved in the community and how much my blood sugars have been better as a result since oh, then, yeah. without without really changing much about my life except the way that I think about yeah. it. Um. So you know, just just on that, Rob. Yeah. Um, so here in Australia, um, we have the Medtronic insulin pumps and the Dexcom, um, and obviously there's the CGM um, equipment that's attached to those devices. 
Um, late last year in Australia, they actually the government announced that for people under the age of 21, that it was going to be fully subsidised, so they could actually get those um, those CGM supplies for free. Oh wow! Um, which is a, which is a great incentive because. Um, you know, that's that's the age where kids are probably going to have the most difficulty with their management and control. But for me, being over the age of 21, <laughs> it's still going to cost me, you know, three $3,000 a year um, to, to use. Um, so I, I'm on a Medtronic insulin pump and I've had it for about nine, eight, eight years now. And it, it, it's probably been the best thing possible for my diabetes um when i when i was 16 um we used to do long bike rides after school and the hypos would hit me the next morning um i think there was four or five days in a row where my parents had to assist me to get out of bed and the glucagon injection came out um so that's when that's what that was sort of the wake up call when things were like right so either I don't ride my bike anymore or something's got to change with my diabetes management and there's no way I wasn't going to be active anymore. So it was obviously came down to the change change of approach. But um, it, it that, the insulin pump for me has been the best thing, best thing ever since. Um, yeah, I, I resisted the insulin pump myself for a long time. I was like, I didn't think I wanted it. And then when I got it, I was like, wow, this is the best. Uh, yeah, this is so perfect. And now being off of it, I've only been off it for 15 days and yep. or I guess 16 today. And, yep. um, man, I miss it because <laughs> it's so yeah. easy. It's so convenient and it fixes things right away. It like is, if you're going a little bit high, you can just pop up a little insulin and you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, if you're and running it, a little low, you can just suspend and kind of come back up. It's, um, it's a, it's a great way of management, isn't it? Um, it I is. think here in Australia, there's out of the type one diabetics, I think there's only twenty percent who actually use an insulin pump. Yeah, I, I think I remember talking with someone else about that. That a lot, every, a lot of people treat with multiple daily injections. Yeah, because and I believe it's something with that health bill you were talking about that about coverage. Yeah, yeah. I think because the initial startup cost is about ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. So obviously, it's it's a lot out of your back pocket initially, um, and some people just aren't prepared or um, aren't in a situation where they can pay that. Yeah, and I mean, like, let, let's be like, fair: ten thousand dollars right for a, for an insulin pump. Yeah. that's a lot of money. Yeah, um, I was I was just sort of lucky enough that my parents were in that position that they could. Um, but whilst I was on camp last week. I actually, I, there was a lot of kids who, who sort of reminded me of myself. Um, they were that sporty, active sort of person. Um, and they were still on the multiple daily injections, having a lot of hypos. Um, the actual education behind the pumps, I don't think is up to scratch yet. A lot of people don't actually know what they do. Um, yeah, so I, I, actually, I feel sim I, I feel similar to like the CGM. Uh, I feel that way about a lot of diabetes technology that 
Yeah. Most people only know one or two ways to treat their diabetes. I don't think they really know like how many different products, how many different treatments there are yeah. out there. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of gave these kids a bit of an intro into what the pump was about. You know how to manage it whilst they're playing their sport. Um, and yeah, I think I think a lot of people by the end of it are like, "Wow, <laughs> why haven't I heard of this earlier?" Right. Yeah, and that's a question I think a lot of people ask here in the U.S. as well, because not everybody sees an endo because their endos aren't everywhere. You know, some small towns you only have your primary care physician, yeah. and they may not even know either. So I think it's an yeah. interesting. It's interesting, you know, I and that's one of the reasons, again, why I'm doing the challenge is so that people know what other options are out there. I read a story today that a guy died because he was waiting to get enough money, waiting to get paid so he could buy insulin. And, yeah. you know, it's a tragic story, but there's just no reason for that. There's so many other treatments, so many yeah. ways to get help. Um, and I think people just need to continue to, to know that. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's that's very tragic mate that's yeah, yeah. Quite and that, really you know being the 21st century as well that it's we're still we're still things like that are happening um right it's but yes obviously you, the government over there have got some things to deal with yeah you know uh we we definitely don't have a lot of things figured out yet but you know hopefully you know there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of awareness right now around the price of insulin and the cost of insurance and the cost of living with type one. So I'm hoping that here in the next few years that we, you know, climb some big hills and do a really good job here because we can learn a lot from Australia and also the UK and uh, Sweden, some other countries, Germany, uh, doing a really good job of taking care of their type one diabetics. And we, you know, don't necessarily do a great job of it here, but we're getting there. So that's the way it's there's always. There's always that stepping stone. There's always things that we can do better. Always um, work to be done. That's it. That's it. Uh, well, Luke, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I, re I really like you. It's, it's good to just kind of have a good chat with a, with a buddy yeah. about some diabetes. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad we made it happen. If if our listeners want to connect with you online, what's the best way to do that? Um, so they can follow me on Instagram. Um Lukey under, underscore Armstrong, um, you know, more than welcome to DM me or um, even shoot me an email, um, Lukey um, at iCloud.com, um, whatever works best for them. But yeah, if, they, if, they, if they've got any questions they feel like they need to ask, they'll be more than welcome to answer. Well, I love it, and uh, we will definitely tag you in the show notes and, uh, and in the posts uh, for the podcast. But again, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. It was really great to uh, to finally chat, uh, and looking forward to seeing all the things that you do. Beautiful, Rob. Thanks for your time, mate.